Do you have an identity theft program for your office yet? You are listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Most people think of identity theft in relation to stolen credit card numbers. Not many people worry about identity theft after a trip to the hospital or doctor's office. This type of scheme is on the rise, and doctors may actually be liable. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. My guest today is attorney Joshua Freemeyer, an associate in the health law group of the firm Oberkehler, and he's going to help teach us a little bit about the practice of medical identity theft and the physician's responsibility in the prevention of this activity. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Can we start with just a definition of what medical identity theft is? Sure. Medical identity theft is kind of a unique problem in the identity theft universe. As you mentioned, most people think of identity theft in terms of having lost control of their financial information and their financial records. That allows other people to go out and use credit cards in their name or borrow money in their name. And medical identity theft has to do with someone using that same information to go receive medical services in your name or avoid paying medical bills that they incur. So someone wants my kidney stone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in a sense, I know a lot of physicians are much more concerned with providing care to their patients necessarily than the paperwork that goes along with operating an office. And this is one of those situations where the two coincide. When someone does steal someone else's medical identity and go out there and receive services in their name, that information is added to their medical record. And there have been reported incidents of people receiving the wrong drugs, having incorrect surgical procedures performed, and things of that nature because of faulty information in their medical record that was left there by a ne'er-do-well. Josh, how common is it? Is this one in a thousand? Is it increasing exponentially? It's hard to give precise numbers. I can tell you that personally our firm has already had a couple incidences of it that we've dealt with for clients. It's certainly something that is on the rise. I think it's more on the rise, A, because healthcare costs are climbing and access to insurance for a lot of folks is very difficult, and B, because in doctor's offices and hospitals are just not used to operating the same level of security around this information that, say, a bank or another financial institution would. And is it usually an inside job? I mean, is it one of my employees that is giving out the information, or how else do they get the information? Now, both of the instances that I've dealt with personally were employees employees who had access to patients' medical records and medical information and decided to use that information elsewhere. So it is, unfortunately, it's something where doctors do need to begin the process of looking right there in their office. Is that because they don't have their own health care insurance or are they selling it to a friend? It can be both. And there is a thriving market out there for information. And any clue, I know you've had a few incidences, any estimates of how many people are the victims of medical identity theft and then follow up, how do they determine that they've been scammed? It's very difficult, unfortunately, for a patient to know when something is amiss because obviously it's not very normal for a patient to review their medical records. Mm -hmm. But what, you know, if they start getting a bill from a hospital that they were dead. Absolutely. I guess that would be the tip off. And that's one of the tips. Another one is if they start receiving information in the mail, for instance, advertising medical services for a condition that they don't have or they receive contacts along those lines, all of those should be red flags. I am a HIPAA-compliant office, and I thought that was sufficient. Are you going to tell me it is not? Unfortunately, it is no longer sufficient in some circumstances. Now, I've been scared of the HIPAA police for years. Now you're, <laughs> now you're, now you're telling me i got to jump through some other hoops. Absolutely. Now you need to be scared of the Federal Trade Commission police. Really? 
Yeah, the Federal Trade Commission issued red flag standards, red flag rules, and what those were designed to do was to ask people out there who operate credit accounts, and in this case they defined creditors or people who operate those accounts pretty broadly, and they did so on purpose to include, for instance, physicians who bill their patients on a 30-day net basis or physicians who submit bills to third-party payers. They intentionally made a very broad definition of creditors to include those kinds of folks. And everyone who is a creditor and who has what are called covered accounts, which we can talk about a little bit more detail in a bit, but it would basically entail most of your patient accounts, is going to be required to create and maintain an identity theft protection program. What a great new gig for consultants. More services the doctors need to buy. Another way to decrease our income. And hopefully, you know, with us talking about this, I can I can tell you that it's not necessarily something that you're going to need to hire a consultant to do. The red flag standards are very flexible. And again, they were written that way intentionally because they're designed to cover everyone from a, a national hospital chain down to a single physician office. So do me a favor and try and define that red flag thing again for me. What is going to be really required of me as the physician? What's my responsibility going to be? Assuming that you are a creditor, and creditors in this case are defined as any person who regularly permits customers to purchase property or services and defer payment. So quick shorthand. And if you're a creditor, which most physician offices are, you probably have covered accounts. And an account, a covered account, is defined as a continuing relationship established with a customer or client so they can obtain a product or service for personal or business use. And again, that's going to cover most physician-patient relationships because you're going to maintain medical records for those patients for quite some time in, in most instances, even if they only come in your office one time. Assuming both of those things are true, you're going to need to develop an identity theft protection plan. And really, the only required elements of those plans is that it identifies relevant red flags, and we'll talk about those in a bit, detects them when they occur, provides for an appropriate response, and the program should have provisions in it to ensure that it's updated as threats change and as the business structure changes. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. My guest today is Joshua Freemeyer, an attorney who works with the health law group of Obra Kaler, and we're talking about medical identity theft and what we as physicians have to do to comply with new rules. So what is a relevant red flag, Josh? That's going to vary from office to office and provider to provider. The rule itself, which is put out by the FTC, describes and provides examples of a whole bunch of different red flags, but none of them are required to include in your plan. We talked a little bit earlier about how patients may be able to identify when their identity has been stolen. It's sort of the reverse of that. It's things that a physician office should be on the lookout to tell them that something is not right. Someone shows up and their insurance card, for instance, looks like it's been copied or somehow mangled. It just doesn't seem right. Patients, the same patient file has multiple different addresses in it for some reason. And I think if most physicians sort of sit down and, and think about it and talk to their staff about it a little bit, it's not that hard to identify things that should tip you folks off that something's not right here. Josh, is this happening all over the place? I mean, is it inner cities? Is it suburbs? I mean, does everyone have to worry about this? Absolutely. And, and you know, realistically, 
whether it's a real concern for the office or not, you're still going to be required to have the identity theft protection plan in place. And what is my current liability? Let's say that I don't know about this and one of my patients gets their identity stolen. Where am I liable and doesn't my general liability insurance or my umbrella policy cover me? There's two different areas of liability and and one would be what would be covered or may be covered under your general liability insurance and that would be your tort liability. And tort law is designed to reimburse people for injuries that they've incurred that weren't their fault and were somebody else's fault. So if you had been negligent in how you took care of that patient's information or if you allowed that information to be leaked in some way that it shouldn't have been, you may have some liability under state laws for that. And that's going to vary state to state, and it is something that generally would be covered under a liability policy. The other side of that is the FTC rules that we've been talking about, and in that case, they very well may not be covered under your general liability policy. The FTC has enforcement jurisdiction, and if they were to choose to investigate how that person lost their identity in your office and they were found out that you did not have a plan in place as you're required to, they can administratively sanction you. Josh, if I'm not listening to this show, and this is the first I've heard of it, when is this going to be common knowledge amongst physicians? And how are we going to find out that we even have to do this? I would love it if it were already common knowledge. Certainly the American Medical Association has been fighting with the FTC a little bit about the definition of creditors. They would like it to be narrowed so that physicians are not included in this, but I don't believe that's going to happen. And the identity theft protection plan you need to have in place should be in place May 1st of this year, 2009. They actually pushed that back. Originally, it was was going to be November 1st, 2008. What if the physician pleads ignorance that they, they never heard of it? Is that good enough? The classic answer to that question is ignorance of the law is no defense. In this case, I really don't believe that it's that hard to put together a program for most offices out there. The FTC is most concerned with good faith So I just have to have a policy and procedure in place. doesn't necessarily have to be uh, super technical, just something there. It shouldn't just be something. But, I mean, more important even than having a policy in place is proof that you really did think about it. You thought about the red flags that are applicable to your practice. You thought about a good way to detect them. You said, hey, if we detect this red flag, here's what we're going to do about it. And it's not something you put in a file and leave alone. The the plan is required to be updated periodically. It has to be a living document. Absolutely. All right. Someone listening to this show wants to do this. Is there some sort of tool you can help them? Is there a website they can go to and get some sort of cookbook policy that they can use as a guideline? I don't know of any place right now that's published a quick and easy policy. I, I think um, there's a I think there's a niche there for you, Josh. <laughs> Create something. Uh, well, I you will know, take that bucks. opportunity to mention my website. It's, okay, uh, please do. Our our firm is www.ober.com, and there's information on there about red flags, and there's contact information for me and about 40 other attorneys who do nothing but work in healthcare for providers. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, If I was to call you and say, I need three practical recommendations you can give me immediately what I can do to protect my practice, what would the top three be? The top one would be to think about ways that your practice is vulnerable to identity theft and put together a plan to protect those vulnerabilities and take careful notes about the decision you're making in your plan and say, we're doing this for this reason, we're we're not doing it for that reason. The second, I would be thoughtful about the physical security in your office, where are records kept, how neat is everything, are things in locked file cabinets as they should be, 
And finally, I would tell you to be a little thoughtful about who is working in your office and who has access to what documents. Now, what if I have my uh, employees bonded? Does that matter? In this instance, no. In terms of compliance with the red flag rules, they don't, they don't mention that. So you're saying all my files need to be locked? I don't think all your files need to be locked, but I think being thoughtful about which files are locked up. I mean, if you have older files for patients who are not regularly in the office, maybe they don't need to be immediately accessible to everyone at the front desk. And what about all the e-laws now that exist? Should I, if you can find anything now, do I have to revisit emailing and faxing and all of that? I think, again, that in this case, for the compliance with the red flag rules, you don't actually have to change any practices. What you just have to do is put together a compliance program that says, here are our practices, here are the risks that are created by those practices, and here's how we're going to deal with them. And if you have that in place, you're okay. As a practical matter, I think it's important for everybody to be a little thoughtful about, if I'm emailing to this, maybe I should call the person and make sure they're there to receive the email. Maybe I should be using an encrypted email program if I'm sending patient files and things like that. Josh, can you give me a real-life example of a case that you successfully defended, hopefully if it's over, and tell me how it happened, what happened, and what happened to the doctor? Well, actually, I'm not a litigator. I work mostly in regulatory and transactional matters to help people put together the materials so that they don't need to hire a litigator. But I can tell you we've put together a red flag plan for a very large organization, and hopefully they'll follow the recommendations and they won't have to call us about it again. Is this something I need to really worry about? I mean, how likely is this? When the HIPAA compliance came out, I have not really seen an enormous number of HIPAA cases. Right, absolutely. And, and that was one of the big concerns when HIPAA came out was, you know, are there, are there going to be the HIPAA police and, you know, crashing into your office to look through your documents now and again? I don't foresee that we're going to see a lot of that. But I think if you choose to not put together a program, given how simple it can be to put together a, a program, and then you are one of the unfortunate practices or physicians who are struck by the lightning of identity theft. So it just makes good business sense to, to do it. Absolutely. Devoting an afternoon or two to this and getting it taken care of and done. Joshua Freemeyer, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My guest was attorney Joshua Freemeyer, an associate in the health law group of the firm Ober Kaler, and we were discussing medical identity theft and what our responsibilities are as a physician to prevent this. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with comments or suggestions at 888-MD-XM160. And thanks for listening.